This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Charlie Harari Show. Hope everyone's doing well. Hope everyone had a great week. It's amazing how quickly these weeks are flying by. We're getting ourselves into summer. It's unreal. This week, I had the opportunity to speak on a radio show, and I dedicated this entire show that I did on what I learned from the presidential elections and how that plays in to a topic that I've been thinking about a lot called how to be better at anything you do. We're going to look at the election process sort of as a larger piece and then go through three very important principles that research has shown is the reason and the cause for how people become great at the things that they do. I think it's a really cool show that you can use in your life today if you want to be better at anything you're doing, whether that's with your family or that's with your job or employment or weight or whatever it is that you got in your life, there are real secrets and real approaches for how you can be better at it every single day. And I did this recently on a show, and I figured what would be a better way on our podcast to be able to play for you that sort of 30-minute clip where I go through these three principles, what they have to do with the presidential elections, and how you can really bring them into your life right now. So check it out, and I really hope you enjoyed it. If you got any questions, always feel free to email me charlie at charlieharari.com. You can tweet me at that, that my name. You can look me up on Facebook. Want to hear about what you think about the podcast. Want to hear about what you're looking for as we get into summer. Anything that, any topics you want to be covered, anything that you, any feedback that you have, and you'll understand why I'm even saying this in particular because of the show that you're about to hear. Um, but really want to hear from you, and I hope that you're enjoying it, and I really hope you enjoy the show. Um, so here it is, and um, hope you enjoy. Delving into current events. To uncover relevant wisdom. Uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Another beautiful morning, and I hope everyone is having an incredible, incredible week. So much going on in the world, so much to talk about. There's not ever enough time to talk about everything that's going on in the world. There's so many, so many things happening around us. I want to share with you one thing today that has been on my mind for a while, and it really didn't sort of solidify for me until um, this week, and that is the presidential elections. You may have heard me say this before. Um, you know, one of the things that my wife and I, we've ha- someone told this to us years ago in our marriage, and it has really changed our lives. I mean, this is one of the bits of advice that you get, and you're like, okay, that sounds okay. And then you put it into practice, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. And that is that anytime you see something that you don't like, if you ever see a person that you don't like, let's say you have an interaction with an individual that you don't like, there's somebody in your family or in your employment or in your life, or there's some situation that's happening in your life that is not positive, the way to deal with it, if you can get away from it, obviously do. However, if you're stuck with it, the way to deal with it is to try to find a lesson from it that you can use to better your life. So that person in your life that you can't get rid of, you can learn something from them. Typically, you're upset with them because they're not more But there's something, and there's a quality there that you can take and draw from, bring it into your life, be better from it. And then when you look at that person or situation, you've now 
diminished your upsetness to them because there's something positive that you got from them. This is like, it's a total game changer if you try this. Like a total game changer. There are people that I know that I have um, thought less of, if I can say that in the nicest way possible, that I've stopped and said, wow, they're really good at X and I've learned from them. And now when I see them, I actually really like them more. It's unbelievable. So looking out in the world today, there's something that has been bothering me lately and it's really come to a head over this week. Because what has given me and many people in this country agita over the past what feels like 10 years, but it's really just a few months, is our presidential elections, right? I mean, like, this is like the reality show that just won't end. It's like waiting for the season to be done so we can get a break for summer, but we don't have a break for summer. It is this constant drip of what I think, and this is just me personally, so, you know, my views are mine alone, not the representative of any network or anybody else. My views are that it's amazing to me that in the greatest country in the world today, which I think America is of the, the leader who is left, who is left standing in the competition for who will be our leader, are our choices between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Like that to me is like God just laughing, I think, his tail off at like what the situation. This is like the proof that God has a sense of humor, that our leader is the choice between these two candidates that are left. And this week with Bernie Sanders, you know, leaving the race. Well, I don't know if he's officially left, but like it's time for Bernie to realize that it's over. You know that like the one guy that just can't leave, you know that. So that's it's almost time for that. And he'll probably leave, you know, today, tomorrow, whenever it is. And what's left really is the the battle, which is going to be the ugliest presidential battle ever. Um, you know, between two choices that I don't think most people would say, hooray, like, oh, oh my gosh, I really, ho- like, oh, that would be amazing. I mean, we're going to, ch- oh, yes. When we look at the world, we're going to look back and go, wow, that is the representative of the people that we are. So the way I deal with it, besides talking about it as much as I can, is trying to learn a lesson from it. And I sat back during this week to really sort of glean what I can take from the presidential election process And what I found, this happens a lot in life, because I believe life is basically a set of principles that is going to manifest itself in multiple environments, right? Life is principle-based, and if you get a principle, you can sort of apply it around, right? It's no, you know, coincidence that, you know, junk food is worse for you than good food, right? And doing well requires more effort, and you don't think and grow muscles, right? The idea that what is easier is usually bad for you is a principle that if you apply it to every area in your life, you'll see that it has wide applications. So in my life this week and over the past few weeks, you know, I, I deal, you know, I'm honored. I hope to always have this opportunity. People email me and call me with questions about life and work and growth. And I sometimes hopefully am able to help. And one of the things that I deal with, dealt with this week is an individual who asked me the following question that he wanted to get better at his job at what he does. And he really wanted an approach for how to be better at what he does. And so if you look at the presidential elections and you glean a lesson from them, I believe you can glean the following lessons from the election process. And the lessons you can glean, and what I want to really delve the show into, is how can you be better at anything you do? Right? What is the plan that you can put into practice so that today, right, not manana, Right, right now, ahora, right, right now, for our bilingual listeners, right now, if you put this into practice, you can be better at your job, at your life today, 
And if you stick with it, you can be better at whatever you're doing in the future. And this is like not just like my opinion. This is like back science, research-backed stuff that I think plays out on the large scale that we're seeing in the presidential elections, which I'll tie in, and what's playing out in everything that we do. And so let's delve in today, and I'm going to give you three things. Three things, if you just listen to this show, and you take these three things, and you apply it in your life today, I am, without any sort of real guarantee, I am confident that if you really do this, if you're saying, okay, it's summer, I'm ready, just tell me, I'm going to do it. If you just hold on for a few months, you will see you'll get better at anything that you want. Okay, let's jump in. And I want to jump in with a lady named Angela Duckworth. Angela Duckworth is a, she's she's become more famous now because of her um, TED Talks and her book that came out and all that other stuff that she's doing. But Angela Duckworth was a, is a psychologist um, at the University of Pennsylvania. But before she was a psychologist, she was a middle school math teacher, right? And she, as a rookie teacher, she was looking at her class and teaching math, and she was really surprised by some of the grades that she was getting. Because when she looked at her class, she right away knew who the smartest kids were. And then she followed them throughout the year, and she calculated the grades, and she realized that the smartest kids weren't getting the best grades. Now, any inquisitive teacher should look back and go, okay, well, why is that? Why are my smartest kids? This is seventh grade math. We're not talking about, like, you know, some complicated project doing, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's sort of, it's middle school. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do you do in middle school? You sit in a class all day, and then, like, you spit back information. Like, usually, the kids that were gifted with the larger or the, the more developed or the, or the more capable brains are the ones that should do the best, and in her case, they weren't. And she tried to figure out why that was. And she started to realize that seventh grade math is sort of a trans- transitionary math grade where you're learning harder things, you're learning how to think more, you're learning how to analyze more. You're really transitioning into a much more sophisticated math system. And what she realized was that the trait that was being used by the people that were doing the best wasn't their natural smarts. It was what she did called, or maybe called by other people, it was their grit. Right? What is grit? Grit is, I heard this term, I thought it was really cool, stick-to-itiveness, right? Stick-to-itiveness, <laughs> I think just awesome English just to make up words and stick them all together. Stick-to-itiveness, right? It's the passion and the perseverance for a long term. And what she found that was that when the students were able to sit through long periods of trying to figure something out, they were much better equipped at getting better grades than those that were naturally talented. In fact, she found a correlation between people that were naturally talented and their inability to sit through this, right? If you were the kid that was really good at picking things up quickly and in third and fourth and fifth grade, like you came home from, with your spelling tests or whatever you were doing and you were like, or your multiplication tables and you were just nailing it, then you walk into an environment and you are thinking that you're better than you are and you lose that stick to You lose that grit that you really need to take it to the next level. So she leaves... Her, her job as a teacher, she goes back to school, she becomes a psychologist, and she goes off in her career to study this idea of grit. And in her way, she studied National Spelling Bee contestants, Green Berets, public school students, West Point cadets, sales representative teachers. She went across the entire world to figure out 
what is it that gets people to become successful? And what she found was the same sort of trait again and again and again. In particular, she went to one Chicago public school system, really an inner school system, and she went out to test the grit of these high school juniors. And she just stuck with it, and she, and she tested them on a, on a level of who has the ability to stick with it. Do you stick with projects? Do you get bored and you move on? What, what, to figure out if there are people that are easily distracted or they stick with their goals. And what she found was that those with grit were more likely to graduate, more likely to achieve greater scores, more likely to have better jobs, more likely to have better lives. And it's an incredible failing that she did across whether you're in the military or you're in school or you're in work. That over the long period of time, talent, in a way, is overrated. Now, you need to be talented to get in the door, but we are so sort of amazed with talent. We, we are so sort of drawn by it, right? Like, we love being able to think that the best people are the people that are the most talented, right? The, there's a great study that just came out between individuals who are competing as to who's a better basketball player, Stephon Curry or LeBron James, Right now, in terms of points scored, LeBron, uh, Stephon Curry did better than LeBron James this year. But everybody would say that while they're rooting for Steph Curry, LeBron James is a better basketball player. Well, why? Right? You're, if you're judging success on the basketball court with points and assists and steals and wins, Steph Curry beats LeBron in every single category. But still people think that the better player is LeBron. Why? And the answer is because LeBron James has more talent than Stephon Curry does. Steph Curry developed his talent. He's a jump shooter. He was a scrawny little kid that over the course of time developed the ability to shoot at a higher percentage. But LeBron James was built. Uh, if you look at LeBron James, you're like, wow, God wants you to play basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like he's 6'8", he's 250, he's a truck. He's got, you know, soft hands and he's got a good eye and he's big and he's small. He's When you just see his his structure, you right away know this guy should be playing basketball. When you look at Stephon Curry, he could be doing anything. You know, he's like a, a 6'3 guy that, you know, built himself into a ball player, but he wasn't talented. And everybody thinks, or most people think, that success is very much correlated into talent, which is why they think that LeBron's better than Steph. But we, we, we buy into this. We all do. We buy into the people that are making it in every single field are the people that are the most talented. But to tell you the truth, if you look at the, at, the, at the data, you'll find that many times talent is overrated. People that are very talented at something give up quickly. Not everybody, but many do. People that were always told how great you are are the quickest to give up. This, by the way, is that was, was, was brought out of the research done by a woman named Carol Dweck. Carol Dweck did this great research where she took a bunch of kids, I think they were in third grade, and she gave them these puzzles to do, these like, you know, those like IQ, you know, when you were a little kid, the IQ, like you play like with the box, the, the blocks and you had to like make pictures, you know what I'm talking about? So she gave them to these third graders and the first level she gave them on the second grade level. So they all did great. And half of them, she said, you guys did really, really great. You're really smart, right? You must be very talented and innate. The half the group, she said, you guys tried very, very hard, right? Then she gave them fourth grade problems that were very hard for them. They couldn't do them. And they all struggled them. And then she came back to the groups and said, okay, do you want to have the first problems, the easier ones, or the harder ones? And what she found was that the people that were told how smart they are, how talented they are, they all opted for the second grade problems. They wanted the easier problems. They wanted to go back 
to being told how great they are. The people that were told how much they hard they work, the effort-based kids, those the kids that were given that feedback, they wanted the harder problems. And she created this entire infrastructure, so to speak, of how to see the world, with his, which is the fixed versus the growth-based mindset. So many times those that are talented are actually those are the ones that are struggling because they're just so in need to be told how good they are. They, they were given so much feedback on their area that it's hard for them to stick to it when it gets tough. And if you look at some great people, you'll find that the reason why they are great is that they're just stuck to it long enough. This was popularized by a man named Malcolm Gladwell in his book Outliers, in which he spoke about the 10,000 hour rule and how people today don't appreciate that when you look at the greatest and the great, you only see them at the end of their long, long, long period of connection to that subject. You're seeing that person who's playing in the Philharmonic, you're seeing the end of her hundreds and thousands of hours of practice. You're seeing people at the end of their hundreds of hours of shooting or sitting at a job or working at a problem or playing guitar or whatever they're doing. You're getting them at the end. I had this um, with people that are radio hosts and speakers. Their, their careers take off and people think they're incredible and they're so talented, right? But they'll say to you, yeah, but I've been on the air or I've been on the road for so many years, no one even noticed me. I once time had interviewed on one of my radio shows a comedian and he was quoting me all the top comedians out there today. You know, Louis C.K. and all these guys. And he was in the row with all these guys when he first started. And he's like, nobody appreciates that. Before you even get close to anybody knowing your name, you're like in a back alley comedy club in the middle of nowhere getting heckled every single night for like years. And the ones that make it are the ones that stick to it. You see, in life, many of us have talents. We have dreams. We have desires and interests. And what we do is we get into things... Right? And then we, it, the novelty wears off, and it becomes a little more boring. Right? In the beginning, it was fun, and now it's boring, and you've got to stick with it. The ability to stick to something is the most important ability to see any level of success. That's why people say that in marriage, the greatest feelings of marriage take place sometimes 15, 20 years after you walk down the aisle. Couples that are together for that period of time, if they're doing it correctly, are able to gel in ways that they never were otherwise. People at jobs, people that are doing their... The ability for somebody to be successful at their lives take place only after you've been at it for so long. But so many people do things as long as it feels good. And as soon as it stops feeling good, they stop doing things. So they go a little bit down and they stop. And they go a little bit down, they hit a road and they stop. They go a little bit further down the road and someone says, you're not good or they're not being accepted or they're not seeing success quick enough and they give up. And it's not them that's the problem. It's their inability to have grit that's the problem. Why is this? And the answer is, is because your brain is neuroplastic and it takes time to, to orient it orient yourself around a certain topic. And if you want to be great at something, you've got to really be able to orient yourself again and again and again and again to something. So that's sort of piece one of the puzzle. But there's another piece of this. And this is sort of where, for me, the game changed. Because I sort of understood this intuitively. Right? When I'm telling this to you, you're probably thinking to yourself, okay, this is intuitive. I, I think it's, I hope you're saying, I think it's correct and I have had projects or desires that I've given up on. I'm sure as you're hearing it, you're thinking to yourself, I always wanted to be an X and I never did it. 
right? Or I always wanted to do why, and I, and I gave up too early. Or even now, in my life, every time something stops becoming interesting, I drop it, and I got like 400 projects in my head, none of them which are really excellent. Holy cow. Maybe it's because I need to pick one and just stick to it. But there's another piece, and there, this is sort of where it changes for me. There is a psychologist named Kay Anders Erickson. In fact, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000-hour rule, the popular famous rule, was taken from the research done by this man. He is, I think, in the University of Florida. And what he found was that becoming great at something is not just sticking to it alone. That's not enough. Because actually sticking to it is a creates a potential flaw. Because if you stick to something and you're doing it wrong you'll start to habituate yourself to do something wrong. That's why people are sitting at jobs for 20 years and they're not better at jobs, right? That's why people are sitting in marriages for 20 years and they're not better at marriage. That's why people are sitting and doing things. And even if you stuck with something, if you're doing that thing incorrectly, over the course of time, you're at risk of just continuously habituating mediocrity into the, what you're doing. So what he said was, it's not just having the time that's what it is. It's you have to have what he calls deliberate practice. What is deliberate practice? And so here's what he says. This is a, I, when I heard this, it, it, it literally shifted the world for me. I hope it really does for you. When you do something, why are you doing it for? If you're doing it to get someone else to tell you how great you are, then you're in like fixed land, right? You're in like, I need to be talented, told how great I am. That once you start doing things for someone else's approval, you're already on your way out. But, but let's just let, let's assume you're doing things because you like it or you enjoy it or you want to be good at something. Fine. So you're sticking to it. But the problem is that when you're doing something, how do you know that you're doing it correctly? So what he says is that when you do anything in life, you have to do it with the mentality of you are engaged in deliberate practice. Meaning you are doing something with the intention of trying to get better at it over the course, over the course of time. So you are looking for feedback. You were looking to see where you did wrong. You were looking to push yourself on the boundaries of what you've done 50 times in a row and that was easy for you. What your mentality when you do anything in life is, I am engaged in practice. And when you engage in practice, what happens is that you're always trying to figure out how to get better. When somebody is giving you feedback on everything that you're doing or lots of things you're doing and you're able to take that feedback and put it into practice, that means that every time you do something, you're getting better at it. If your mentality when you do things are always, how can I push myself to try to push this area of this skill or to take a, a chance on this, you are building the boundaries, if you will, and pushing them to your perceived talent. When you think of what you're doing with that mentality, Plus the stick to now you're looking at doing something that so few people on the planet are actually doing, which is growing every single second of every single day in a general area. This, by the way, is how you can become better at anything you do. Because if you stick to it long enough and you do it with the mentality of this is just practice. How do I get better? If you have feedback loops that are around you giving you feedback, if you yourself are critical and you listen to yourself afterwards or you watch yourself afterwards or you go back at night and you analyze how you did during that day afterwards, you're not going to get stuck in a rut 
of I'm doing it the same way, but at the same time, you're still going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And when you combine A and B, you become a totally different person. This is how people become great. This is how athletes become great. This is how pianists, this is how you know hedge fund managers, this is how moms and dads and parents, this is how people become great in life. They stick to something for long periods of time and they see it and they're open and they're interested in feedback. But there's one nuance and that's the third principle and with this I'll start to transition to our presidential candidates. And that is the famous saying by ethics of our fathers, who is wise, those that learn from everybody. And this is the hardest of it all. You see, the greatest and hardest piece of becoming great at anything that you do is humility. And that is difficult. Because if you want to be good at something, you start to identify with that thing. And now failure becomes scarier. Right? When you're just breaking into an area, you, you could do anything you want. Right? No one knows who you are. And then you start to get a little bit of respect from it. And now you can't fail. When you just show up at a company, you can fail every day. But when you're the manager, you can't fail. When you're just given an assignment for the first time, you can fail. But when you're now in charge of it, you can't fail. As you get into something, there's like a paradox that starts to form. It's like a seesaw. The more people respect you, the more you're doing things, the more you're growing, the harder it is for you to get to take that feedback in. The harder it is for you to see yourself as just practicing. The harder it is for you to digest you not doing something right. So the easier it is for you to surround yourself with people that say how great you are and to surround your brain with looking at people that disagree with you and pushing them out. And now all of that ability for feedback and growth is gone because you're not humble enough to realize that you are not what you do. And no matter how great you can be at something or how long you've been doing at something or how, how much you've effort you've put in, the minute you're not humble enough to learn from everything around you, that's the minute that you stop growing and you stop becoming great. So anything you want to do in your life, anything, if you're able to stick to it for long enough, which means you've got to pick the right things, right? You can't stick to everything. If you're willing and able to see it as practice, engaging in feedback, listening to different opinions, checking your own self every, every, few, every few times, and if you're humble enough to allow yourself to grow and at the same time be young and take in that criticism, then every day becomes an inch forward, a step forward. And over the course of time, anything that you're doing, you'll be better at, whatever it is that you're doing in your life. Now, to me... I got to tell you, there's something that I get inspired by when it comes to when it comes to these elections, because I don't know how they do it. I mean, I don't. I don't know how a person gets on an airplane for like five months straight. I don't know how they do it, and they're speaking five times a day, probably, and shaking hands and constantly on, and you know, they sneeze the wrong way and it becomes news, and you know, the whole life. And I realize that it's because I don't know if this is. It's not. I don't know if it's, there's a causal connection here, but the opportunity is. If you go through the presidential system, you theoretically can become an incredible person. Right? Think about it. If you're, going for pre- if you're running for president, you have to stick to it. Right? Even if you take someone like Donald Trump. Hillary's a career politician. This is what she does. She's doing nothing. She's home. So like, she can run around and be president. But Donald's got a company, theoretically. Right? I don't know how big it is, how small it is. But let's forget, forget all of that. 
But he, so he can't do it. He started off being able to balance both, and now he's basically taken the entire op- operations and handed it over because he's got to stick to one thing. When you're running for president, you're sticking to one thing, one thing. And all your efforts and all your attention and all your energy is going to get getting better and better and better and better at this one thing. And it's nothing that you wake up in the morning with. I guarantee you there are hundreds of people right now waking up on the Democratic and Republican side saying, I want to be president. I'm sure of it. I'm sure there are senators and congressmen and, and generals, and they're saying, wait a second, can I get in the race now? Because I can be both these people. And they can't. You know why? Because it required a year ago, you know, it, two years ago, stick to that now they don't have. They don't have a long enough runway. Two, there's this incredible feedback loop that they get every day. It's harsh sometimes, but it's really incredible. They say something, and the world kills them for it. They walk into a room and they cheer. They walk into a room and they jeer, right? I'm, I take a position right now. I've had a guy on, recently on a show that, that really opened my mind to how to change um, your thinking. And I actually read every night the blogs of websites that are very different from my opinions. My political opinions, I read the blogs of those that are like diametrically opposed. And what I found is that sometimes it's just the same old stuff. Every side has their own sort of like people just talking to each other. And sometimes they make some really good points. And the candidates have this feedback loop that are constant and constant and constant. And so over the course of time, these guys are really sticking to it and engaging in tons and tons and tons of feedback. And the question, I think, for them, which I don't know if, I'm, if that's true or not, is going to be whether or not they're humble enough to hear it, whether they actually are humble enough to take that level of criticism and change their policies and change their way of thinking and open themselves up to more people, or not. And that'll be, I think, what we see across the rest of the election. But for us, like everything in life, you can learn from history and learn from today and not have to let someone else live their dreams. You can live our dreams. And for us, I think we can use this as an inspiration. How much are we willing to give in for our dreams? Are we willing to, are we willing to put into our dreams as much as they're willing to put in to become president? Is being president to them more important than being who we're supposed to be? Why? Because people don't cheer for us. We don't have more control over the economy. We don't get to fly around in a jet. Why is actualizing your real, real self any less important? Are we willing to endure the incredible scrutiny that they have? Are we willing to go through? Are we willing to get any level of feedback when we do? Do we ever ask someone to say, what do you think? No, really, what do you think? Do we ever read a bad comment on, on if we are ever in public? Do we ever allow those people that say, let me just tell you something, do we look at them as welcome participants into our lives? And most importantly, are we surrounded either by people or by our mentality with a bunch of yes men or yes women saying how great we are or... Are we humble enough to realize that what I do isn't who I am, and my job is to be the best that I can be? And if we just look at what's happening and learn from the level of dedication that's happening for someone to become the president of our nation and microcosm it to bring it into what we need to become, to become the president, if you will, of our lives, we can, th- we can not theoretically, I was about to say theoretically, we can literally become different people today. This isn't like a nice theoretical, this will be cool conversation. This is like a, let's get real. Let's get serious. It's the summer. We've been doing this for a long time. Let's just like enough. What do we want to do in life? What do we want to hold on to? What are our passions and dreams? Do I have the guts to stick with it no matter what? 
will I be able to constantly push the boundaries and get feedback and see it as practice? And most importantly, am I humble enough to realize that I'm not perfect? I'm not going to be perfect. Humble enough to become better because that's what life's about. To be good, to be great, to be awesome. It's been an honor talking to you this week. Can't wait to speak to you next week. Thanks so much for listening. Looking forward to speaking to you next. It's more than just events. It's what they mean to your life. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari.